Today's episode of the Cincy Postcast is brought to you by Cincy Shirts. You've heard us talk about them before. Odds are either you or someone you know has a shirt made by them already. Cincy Shirts is your local source for all things Cincinnati apparel. From officially licensed gear from the Reds and FC Cincinnati to shirts featuring all of your favorite Cincinnati Zoo attractions, Cincy Shirts has it all. I just received my Jerry Springer for City Council shirt, rest in peace to the legend, and have been wearing it around town for the last couple weeks. The fit is perfect, and the look is even better. Cincy Shirts are great shirts from a great company, and our listeners can get 10% off their entire order by using promo code THEPOSTCINCY, that's all one word and all in caps, THEPOSTCINCY at checkout. And this code is good either online at cincyshirts.com or at either of their retail stores in Hyde Park and Fort Mitchell. And remember, both the Cincy Shirts store's locations offers print-on-demand, so your size is always in stock. Go get yourself some new threads for this weekend and use the promo code THEPOSTCINCY at cincyshirts.com or at either of their two local locations. Cincy Shirts, local, topical clothing. That's not their slogan, but it should be. On today's episode of the Cincy Postcast, Bupenza in Transit. We discuss the absence of FC Cincinnati's new designated player on the first day of the transfer window and ask, is the biggest rivalry in the league FCC versus the U.S. State Department? We do a Supporters' Shield check-in. How confident are you feeling 20 games in? El Trafico draws 82,000 people to the Rose Bowl. Is MLS missing opportunities to play other games in weird locations? The U.S. men's national team is headed to TQL Stadium this weekend, and we finish off with a preview of FCC versus Charlotte FC. And that'll be your Cincy Postcast. Let's go! Oh, and joining me to talk about all that, I'm doing my best Kevin Wallace impersonation here, is Grayson. It's just the two of us. The last time we did this without Kevin, the audio quality was terrible, the editing was poor, it was kind of off the rails, and it was one of our lowest downloaded episodes of the last two or three months. Are you excited for round two? I am excited to fulfill our commitment to our sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Who, who's reading the ad, by the way? Do we do, do we have an ad? Are we doing that? No, see, a or... little bu- peek behind the curtain. I will go back and I will do the ad read after we finish taping so that I can do like three or four takes of it and just do okay. the best one. Because it changes when you're doing the show for someone else. And I didn't really think about that before I told Kevin, yeah, let's get a sponsor, is that once you have a sponsor, you have to keep doing the show on a regular basis it stops being just a oh this is fun we'll do it tonight if we feel like it now it's kind of a thing i don't know how i feel about that um so remember since shirts buy your shirt and you can use the code in store it's the post cincy but it's all caps so you have to yell it at them no see i thought it was the opposite i thought that you have to like sort of lean in and whisper the post Cincy to them in kind of like a sensual sort of way. Make it awkward no, like for a, everyone. Like a stage whisper. Ah, so like stage directions. Like, I was told to use the promo code, the post Cincy. Right. I like that. Yeah. Yes, but it does work in store. It does work online. 
Um, if you're like me, I hate waiting for shipping on things, and I live close to the actual brick-and-mortar location. I understand the kids don't approve of brick-and-mortar. We were accused, Grace, and I don't know if you saw that uh, earlier this week, we were accused of having old man energy uh, with our takes on Taylor Swift in the last episode. Uh, preferring a brick-and-mortar location, I'm just going to stick with the old man energy here. Either way, use promo code the Cincy at checkout. Get yourself geared up for... This weekend's FC Cincinnati Affairs, this weekend's United States Men's National Team Gold Cup appearance, whatever the case may be, the Reds are winning right now. Whatever you need in Cincinnati, you can find it at CincyShirts.com. They're a wonderful sponsor. They're the reason why we are plowing through to deliver this content to you, despite the fact that Kevin is on the shelf. And who knows, maybe at some point Jonah will wake up and decide that he wants to join in the middle of this live stream. Or not. And remember, not. you can print on demand. So if you see a shirt you like, it's not in your size, you can get it done right there in the store. And also, maybe if you have a really good idea for a shirt, but they don't have it, you can just convince them to print it for you. Right. I don't. Well, I'm not making any promises on that point. Or, or the DMs are open. Shoot us a DM with a great shirt idea you've got, and then we will claim that we came up with it and deliver it to our sponsors and keep them happy with us. You can DM any of us on Twitter, on Blue Sky. I think I signed up for Threads. Did you sign up for Threads today? I did not. Yeah. I'm on Blue Sky. Blue Sky. Threads, it turns out, is just Instagram without the requirement that you take a good photo to accompany your take. So, I don't know. Maybe going somewhere. I I don't know that I love the fact of going from Elon to Zuckerberg. I don't know that that's a market improvement in overall ceo culture and you know evil corporation type things but maybe they'll at least let you look at more than 800 700 posts a day that would be an improvement i think i'm sure whoever runs and funds blue sky is unimpeachable and has nothing that we're going to regret about their character or history in a month or two months should i just not google who's in charge of blue sky is that the idea here I honestly have no idea. I think it's Jack Dorsey, isn't it? I think it's just like... Cause it's, Is it's, it Jack? I thought for some reason that was in my head, but I was like, no way. Yeah, because it's just <laughs> Twitter. It's the exact same thing. It's just a less useful version of Twitter. Um, I don't think they can call what you're doing tweets. And apparently hashtags don't work on Blue Sky as well, because I went looking for um, ProRel for USA to see if those people had migrated over to Blue Sky. It turns out hashtags just aren't a thing. So... If they are there, I don't know how Ben Fast will continue to spread the gospel according to shitty soccer ecosystems on this new platform if anyone gives him an invite. And if anyone does give him an invite, I think that should be a ban-worthy offense from Blue Sky. If you allow a pro-rel truther onto an otherwise normal social network, I feel like your account should be revoked on that. What's your take? Yeah, but that does seem in keeping with the idea that Blue Sky is going to be like the nice place. The good place? Where... Where none of the none of the bad take people are allowed. I mean, there's already those uh, columns out there of, of folks who say, "Oh, I went to Blue Sky looking for a night, looking for a place where I could uh, share some of my conservative ideas," but I got bullied off the platform immediately. Which fine with me. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of liberal bullies is a really weird concept to me. It just doesn't seem like that's uh, two words that should ever go together in any common vernacular the the problem with 
what Twitter's becoming is, and look, I'm not trying to advocate a political position on this, right? I am making a psychological observation about people. Okay, so so nobody can get mad about this. Right. I think that a lot of what's appealing to conservatives about Twitter is you get to trigger the libs. And they don't want to talk to each other. They want to trigger the libs. Right. So oh. if all the libs go to blue sky. There's no one to own. There's no one to own. Right. So then what are they going to do? Just like write so true under Cat Turd 2's tweets for the rest of their lives. I've seen this movie. What eventually ends up happening is the monolith that is the right eventually devolves into the right, the real right, the far right, and they eventually start fighting amongst themselves, which is also tremendous entertainment. The problem with all this, though, is that if everyone devolves into their own little camps, it really does do away with what I believe the final purpose of all social media, and that is just to fight with anonymous strangers online. The, the concept of the fight button goes away if everyone agrees with one another and everybody's having a great time. You shouldn't have a great time on social media. There should always be that twinge of danger about posting that you might end up with someone in your mentions that annoys you or you might end up being dragged into something you don't want to see. That's what really makes social media great is that you go there for one reason, but that's not going to be your only reason for being there. And you might have to do some shit, say some shit and see some shit that you weren't expecting when you logged onto the app. Like Kevin Durant said, you got to be on 10 from the moment you open the app. It's true. Cause social media is a place where people lose their minds so much that they are like, holding on to screenshots for months and years at a time. They're getting into like little group chats and going over and over and over perceived slights from, you know, longer ago than like, you know, pre COVID times. Right. Right. But when you actually look at the original sin that the person is is mad about and holding on to. It's something that if somebody had told you this just to your face, like 90% of the time, it's something that if somebody had just told you this to your face, you would have been like, uh, I don't know, maybe. Right. Or like, yeah, just, you would not be nearly this mad right. if you hadn't seen it on Twitter. Or the reaction would have been, yeah, fuck off. I, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. But you would not care about it. Right. But the idea, once you hit the two buttons on your phone to do a screen grab, that, in a sense, is it's almost like you're burning that into your own personal memory as well. It's, it's a moment. I have chosen to screen grab this. I will forever be mad about this moment right here because it made me mad enough that I want to screen grab it. And there are degrees of how mad you are. Like, are you so mad about what you saw that you're not even going to bother to crop out the battery percentage and the post button at the bottom of it. No, this you're getting the full fucking screen grab. It's a thing. I don't. In some day in the future, sociologists and scientists will attempt to explain what it was about our culture at this point that drove us to this particular insanity. But I weep for the fact that we're all devolving into our own little separate apps, and that we won't have these big crossover episodes anymore. 
I think the art of the screenshot is is under understudied. Like making sure you get your battery percentage in there. Right. Um getting like, you know, the little notification that your headphones are pairing. Right. As if like I don't know, it's either like your headphones are constantly pairing or this was so important to you. It made you so mad that you just had to capture it in that instant. You know? <laughs> yeah. You're like <laughs> I was thinking too about the when you're doing a screen grab, it's if you're using your burner, like selectively cropping out anything that could be a potential identifying information about you in the screen grab, like getting your little icon out of the corner so that no one can go back and figure out, oh, who was the person that screen grabbed this right here? Or conversely, there's the high road, right? Which is the false high road, where you screen grab the tweet. But you crop out who tweeted it Ooh. as if as if everybody reading it is not going to immediately just search on Twitter <laughs> for whatever was said and find out who did it. Like you are actually more making it more likely, in my opinion, that people are going to swarm this person's page because they're not they now have to to search, find the tweet. Right. And once and now they're already there. Right. And once might I've, as well might as well reply. And once I've taken the effort to find this, it's like, well, now I've got to do something. I've taken all this time. I looked for it. I've become more mad as I was scrolling by and couldn't find what it was that I was looking for. Yeah. The other thing I think we need to talk about too is I hate the I love and hate that on the iPhone now, when you do take a screen grab, it gives you the copy and delete button. Because my photo album used to just be a mess of screen grabs, screen caps, where I'd scroll through old pictures and be like, oh, I wonder why I screen capped this. Was there something funny about it? But now, since it's the copy and delete, I just send them to wherever they're going, and it's like they never existed in the first place. It's almost like a, a preservationist nightmare. Kind of like how, um, I don't know if you saw this, about how Disney released a movie and then immediately, 30 days later, just deleted it off Disney Plus to take a tax write-off on it. And now this movie just sort of ceases to exist. Yeah, I saw a tweet about that that suggested that if you do that, the mo- you, sh- you get to keep your tax write-off, but the movie is now public domain. I love that idea, by the way. This is like I super, think it's a great idea. super nerdy IP talk. But yeah, like if you want like to claim it. We have a- to see Batgirl. Yeah. We have to see it. I bet it's incredible. Like... The, the, the mystique of being able to see it is one thing, but it's like, I want to know what a movie looks like where they were they thought it was better as a tax deduction than releasing it to nerds who will literally pay to watch Bat anything. Because you've seen so much of what has been actually released by people. Right. And it's, it's also, too, it's like, you, you realize, too, it's like they thought this movie was so bad it couldn't be released, but this is the same studio that also released The Green Lantern with Ryan Reynolds. Where it's like, I refuse to believe that whatever you filmed with Batgirl is worse than this. But yeah, make it public domain, and then the Mystery Science Theater people can immediately put it up on an episode of that. There can be a riff tracks to it. We can all sort of enjoy it as a society. But yeah, there should be a consequence to getting rid of something off the internet forever. You should just shouldn't be allowed to scrub something like that. And you know, people are, people are saying, people will defend erasing it by saying... You know, there's people whose careers are going to be affected if something this bad comes out. But, like, you've already trashed it. Like, you've already told all of us this movie sucks. Right. It's... 
<laughs> if if you put it out, there's going to be people who love it. Yeah. Somebody Everything has their has its defenders, right? S- somebody said this the other day that the ultimate end game of all this is that there will no longer be cult classic movies because movies that are in that gray area of oh, they didn't find an audience or they're so bad that people have to see it. All those things will be the ones that get written off and they get pulled off streaming services and so and no one can ever actually find it. Like you think about all those movies that you grew up watching in the 80s that you only saw because they were super cheap to air on, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday on Star 64. None of those are going to exist anymore. They'll just take the tax right off and take the cash on it. And I And honestly, I find it less believable that Hollywood found a movie so unacceptable that it can't be released because of the poor quality. And I would be more inclined to believe that something else happened. Like the lead actress turned down a date with the producer. Right. Or like, like this, that that's how, that's how stuff happens out there. Right. <laughs> like there's so many stories like that. Or just the graphics designer, the FX person hit a dick in every single one of the special effects or something like that. And it would cost too much money to go back and edit it all out. Like all those rumors about the Disney movies back in the day where, you know, they were hiding shit and all the animation, not thinking that anyone ever would look at it. Although even if you found, if you told me that, if you told me that there was a penis hidden in every single image of some movie, I would be twice as likely to watch it and just go frame by frame to see if I could find it. It would be like a Where's Waldo for everyone. That would make even more money, I would think. Speaking of things that are hard to find. There we go. What a transition. Speaking where's, of things. Where's Aaron Bupenza? Topic number one on the Kevin Wallace-less postcast, Aaron Bupenza, FC Cincinnati's erstwhile designated player, not in Cincinnati. This despite the fact that he signed over three weeks ago in terms of when the club confirmed his signing, and close to a month ago from when the first rumors broke from the various rumor mongers and gossip hordes that report this sort of thing about soccer transfers. So I ask you... Grayson, you a little worried that Aaron Bapenza still isn't in Cincinnati on the first day of the transfer window? I'm only worried because I just want him here now always. Like my <laughs> my default desire for when Aaron Bupenza gets here is already and then as as already as we could have made it. <laughs> you know? Right. Um it's a little weird that we were kind of promised that he'd be in by Sunday, which indicates that something may have gone wrong. However, I did some research on this. Uh-oh. Okay. What athletes come in on is a P1A visa. Oh, man. We're going to do, do some two... immigration law talk here. I love it. Hit me with so it. So I looked, I looked this up on the USCIS website, and I ran some questions toward a knowledgeable source, let's say. <laughs> just to like just to kind of confirm that what I was reading on the website was correct. First you file what's called an I-129 and that gets processed and the timeline for processing is different depending on how you file it. You can pay a fee to get a premium processing deadline, which I assume FC Cincinnati does. Right. Because it's like $1,000. And the premium processing guarantees that it's processed within 15 days. My understanding 
from chatter is that they usually beat the 15 days. But let's say, for argument's sake, 15 days to process the I-129. Okay. Then he has to go to the embassy in Libreville, Gabon, and get an appointment at the U.S. Embassy. The processing time for an appointment is seven calendar days. Okay? Right. And then I was also told that you walk out with your visa if everything goes right the day of the appointment. So, working back, it's been 22 days. Yes. That's also 15 plus 7. Yes. So, if he had his if he had his meeting at the at the embassy on the 22nd day, July 5th, then he would have his visa in hand, but not being able to leave until like the day after that. So it's not an inordinate amount of time and it wouldn't feel that weird, except we were told hopefully by Saturday, basically definitely by Sunday. And yet here we find ourselves on Wednesday as we record this and Aaron is not in the Queen City, not in the United States. My, my problem is this, and tell me if I'm being unfair in this regard, is that now this is two players in a row, Mascara and Vapenza, where they are not in the country, and as a result of them not being in the country because of immigration issues, they are unable to play in games where the team is in need at the positions they play. This team is in need of a striker right now. Vasquez is at the Gold Cup. Brenner finally comes off the injury report this week as his ankle miraculously heals, and he heads off to officially sign with Udinese. It it just seems to me that it it almost is like one of those made-for-TV or as-seen-on-TV products where there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way for a multi-million dollar organization like FC Cincinnati, owned by a billionaire like Carl Linder, who is a prominent donor to a number of people who work in the federal government, the same federal government that runs the State Department. It just seems to me that for someone on a signing of this magnitude, a million-dollar, multi-million-dollar transfer designated player, that the rules should just be different than they are for someone who is coming over here to work for P&G or Microsoft or who is coming over here to go to college. It seems like somebody in this organization should be able to pick the phone up to someone at a very high level of government and say, hey, we got a guy coming in. Can you just run his application right now, and can he do his meeting over the phone. Am, am I wrong on this? That this is, or is this, I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't really know if you're wrong on that, but I guess from what I've seen and what I was told, you shouldn't really need to do that. As long as you just act, you know, quickly in getting your paperwork in. Because we're talking 22 days at most. Right. Unless the person turns out to have like something weird in their background or something. Right. You know, and I know there's been there's been other 
issues that people like to point out. Our friend Tommy G brought up Corey Burke, who was gone for, I think, parts of two seasons based on a visa issue. There's something. There was something else going on there. We don't know what. <laughs> it was reported as like personal issues or like a personal matter if you look it up. That wasn't normal normal visa delays. Okay? So it's like that's not a good comparator for anything. Right. And unless, and if you want to use it as a comparison, you should at least I think know what was Corey Burke's issue and why does that apply to this current circumstance? Right. Which is which again, I'm not saying Bupenza is a circumstance yet. No. Okay? But I do think two things can be true. One is the team does seem to have um, maybe three things can be true. One is the team does seem to have routine visa-related issues. Two, everything might be fine with Bupenza. We don't really know. Right. And three, you know, we it's not really something that we should be getting worked up about yet. But I'll say in defense of getting worked up, and not to pick on Tommy G, he had that tweet where he was like, "If you don't, if you think the team isn't doing everything, that was that it can." To, to be clear, that was Pat Mascara. That was Pat Brennan, I think, wasn't it? No, this was about Mascara. Oh, Mascara. Okay, I thought you were talking about because Pat Brennan was also stuck. Our friend Pat Brennan also stuck up for the team today with a statement to the effect of, "It's ignorant to say that the team is bad at." bureaucracy i mm. think was basically the, the thrust of the statement but yeah so they, like yeah, a lot I of mean, people have been defending the team on this and I'm, I'm not trying to attack the team on it but to go overboard and defend the team on it and say you're uninformed or ignorant if you have questions about this process you can't make that statement unless you know the process and you know how to navigate the process right and you know everything the team could have done did and didn't do Along the process, like Pat's not an immigration lawyer, no. for example, and neither are we. No, you know, so I don't know. Um, it, it, it is, but I, 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 it was suggested to me, and I don't want to go overboard here either. It was suggested to me by somebody who would know that it does seem a little odd how often the team has visa-related issues because it's always using these like. These P1 athlete visas, they're designed to work pretty quickly. Right. And it's interesting to me, too, I don't know what you make of this, that it's always the high-profile guys that seem to have a problem with this. It's, you know, you don't find your back end of the roster guys having visa problems. It's Brenner, the highest-paid transfer, having a visa issue last year. It's Yerson Mascara their biggest transfer who under normal circumstances would be a DP based on talent and what his fee is um, having visa issues. Now it's Aaron Bapenza, another DP having visa issues. And of, of Alvaro course, Alvaro had a visa issue. Alvaro visa issue. Um, Lacadia for some reason had to go, even though he had been in trading, had to go back to the Netherlands, like literally the week of the first game. Yeah, he went So to- he flew from Amsterdam to New York to meet the team. Yeah. Like, they didn't even go to Cincinnati in between. There were also a couple guys that had to go to New York, if I remember correctly, last year to go get business done. 
I give I think that was twenty one, and I don't know that that was on the team. I think that was on the league waiting a long time to announce that they were moving these games back to Canada, and then Canada had COVID related that might have been it. restrictions that these guys had to these guys had to comply with. You might be right on that. Yeah. Like that was that felt like a very complicated situation that was pretty clearly not fully in their hands. And I guess that's the bottom line with all this is that this is if you I am not an immigration lawyer like you said neither one of us are. This process is confounding. Somebody brought up online and it's a good point that it's not equal depending on where you're from. That it's a different story getting a visa from a place like the UK or an EU country than it is a African country like Gabon. Um, it's just different. The other thing, too, about this that's, that's tough, though, is that you don't know what the team is doing. You don't know what the government is doing. You don't know what efforts were made to get someone there. All you know is he's not here. And when we talked about this signing for Bapenza, one of the awesome things about when they announced it was we all assumed, or I assumed, and maybe I was naive about this, that it was a good thing that they were getting the signing done way before the window opened because it would enable them to bring Vipenza over and just get some of the mundane shit out of the way. Like, we all talk about, and we, because we're fans, we think mostly and primarily about, oh, what can Vipenza do on the field? And how long will it take Vipenza to work into the system to learn what's being expected of him, to get that sort of synergy that he's going to need with a free-flowing player like Lucho Acosta. That's all well and good. But he's also a human being, and anyone that's ever moved before knows that moving sucks. And there's all sorts of little things that you have to do just to start feeling comfortable with life, finding a place to live, figuring out where the grocery store is, figuring out where the place is that you can shop that has, especially for someone that's international that's not from this country, Where's the best place to buy, find your ethnic food that you want to have here? How to get your, you know, your laundry taken care of? Where to get like a license to get your to get a driver's license for a car? All these silly things that could have been taken care of just to make it so that life is a little less stressful. You would have hoped they could have gotten that done ahead of time, and now that's going to be stuff that is extra stuff and extra things on top of having to figure out where Lucho wants him to be running on any given play, and it just. It sucks that that couldn't happen ahead of time to make this transition a little smoother, I think. Yeah, and I mean, like, you could also you could counter that and say, well, they have been doing a lot of that stuff. It's just not done yet. So there still could be some benefit from getting the deal done in June because he's ready maybe. Maybe he misses one game or he misses two games. Right. But he's at least he's, – he's at least – available for the Nashville game. I mean, I, I hope he's available for all three still. I mean, I know it seems unlikely that he'll be available for Saturday, but, you know, we had Junior Moreno training with the team like a day or two before he started against Austin. Like I said, we had Lacadia come in, just fly straight to New York, even though he had trained with the team some right before that. And I mean, I'm not saying to expect too much from, too much from him, but if he somehow gets like a training session in, yeah, maybe. I, why not throw him on the bench? Yeah. Like if he comes in like midday Thursday, what's the harm? Right. 
I mean, what better way to introduce someone to MLS than say, hey, you're going to be playing a game on an artificial playing surface in North Carolina. Like, welcome to the league, son. This is what you signed up for. Well, I was thinking about this, and, like, he's a pretty high-level professional soccer player. You put him on a field with Lucho, it's not going to be, like, perfect, but he's going to make some runs. And if he gets the ball in the box, he's going to shoot it at the goal. Like, he knows the direction of the goal. It's like, if you take two, like, professional dancers that have never danced together, and you're like, do a Paso Doble, they could do it. I was going to say, if you, know, you get a couple of musicians in the room, most of them know how to play Led yeah. Zeppelin. They'll figure it yeah. out. They can jam with each other. It's not going to sound as good as if they you know, played together for a long time, and practiced right. a lot, but it's, it'll sound a lot better than if you know you asked me to do it. Right. And I'm, I'm betting the music will sound a lot better than if it's you know Archimedes Ordonez being asked to perform. No slight to the young man. It's just Aaron Bapenza, just based on the highlights I've seen, seems like a difference maker. So where are we feeling in terms of are we ready to declare that FC Cincinnati versus the U.S. State Department is a rivalry or not a rivalry at this point? I, I would put it in the same category as Red Bull. So, like, so like potentially a rivalry, low-key yeah, rivalry? arguably a rivalry, um, but probably need a little bit more still. Right. If there was going to be a derby between FC Cincinnati and the State Department, what would the derby be? I don't know, but it would be incredibly one-sided. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm thinking that there's a, there's an opportunity here for, like, what, the executive branch agency, Darby, the FCC versus the State Department? The um, Meg Whitman Derby, which since she works for the State Department. Does she work for the State Department, right? Yeah, she's an ambassador. Yeah, she's the ambassador to Kenya. This makes it all the more ridiculous that we can't just, yeah, like, I get know. this shit done. Like, we have someone literally working as an ambassador. Just, they... Just do shit. Just make some paperwork disappear. Make this work. I don't know. I tried to find out if Gabon and Kenya had, like, bad relations, and Wikipedia gave me nothing. Yeah. So. And that's the extent of the research we're going to do on that. Yeah, I'm not paid for this. No. God, no. Maybe if we get another sponsor in here, maybe we can do that. But with just one sponsor, you're getting this is the best you're getting. All right. So with the team, with Aaron Bapenza's status up in the air, I thought it'd be a good time right now to check on where we are in this match week with the Supporters' Shield. FC Cincinnati, still your front runner with 44 points. Nashville SC lurking, stalking at 38, immediately followed by New England, 37. The surprising St. Louis SC, 35 points. And then your favorite, my favorite, our favorite, the Columbus Crew. Still down there at 35 points. Although I will note with the Columbus crew and Nashville have played 21 games to everyone else, 22. That's your top five in the Supporters' Shield standings. Grayson, how you feeling? I mean, you always feel good when you're on top. Yeah. Right? I mean, sometimes it's fun when you let her be on top, but. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I I don't let my wife do anything. She's, a, she's, she's a, her own She has person. agency. Yep. No, we support yep. We're a pro-woman podcast. We've said that many times. Yeah, I mean, our it's you know our closest competitor is Nashville, but they ha- they've played one more game than we have. LAFC lost again to uh, LA Galaxy, and more importantly, they're now even with us on games played. So they're still so LAFC, who I thought was our biggest competitor, 
is sitting 12 points behind behind us right now. There's rumors of Nashville bringing in a striker. New England is signing players. So I am a little nervous that our rivals are, and I mean rivals in the supporter shield, not like rival, right. not we, like rival rivals. Not like the State Department. Yeah. That they're improving more than we are. And we still have three games left without Miazga and Vasquez. Yeah. The good news, if you want some good news as an FC Cincinnati fan, number one, you're in first place. That's badass. Number two, you have a game in hand over the next closest team to you, Nashville 21. The other nice thing about looking at this is that in some years, the schedule tends to get a little wonky in terms of balance between home and away. Looking up and down the top five, even going down to the top six with Philadelphia sitting at 34, every team on that list has played either 10 or 11 home games. Nobody has a significant, nobody can say, oh, well, in the second half of the season, we've got way more games at home that should give us an advantage. Everybody's pretty much sitting in the exact same position in terms of home away splits at this part in the season, at this point in the season. So job well done to MLS with the schedule balance so that you don't give one team a major advantage going down the back straightaway of the season. Goal differentials are tight. you got to like where FC Cincinnati is right now. There's going to be a talent infusion coming in with Papenza. You're getting Miazga. You're getting Vasquez back. And who knows? See what else Chris Albright has up his sleeve. I am still of the opinion, I've said this many times, I know you disagree with me on this, I still think center back depth is a worry, and I think that we might need to do a little more with the center backs. Yeah, you know, I, 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 yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, center back depth is a worry. I'm a little worried about what the, not worried, but like, what's the plan if Alvaro gets hurt? Yeah. Or if someone makes you an offer you can't refuse on Alvaro too. That's always, there's a, that's always lurking when you're with MLS is that they say they don't want to sell Brandon Vasquez. They say they don't want to sell Alvaro right now. Sometimes you just, you you get the Don Corleone of offers, and there's not a lot you can do. And if Alvaro goes on this team for one reason or another, be it injury or be it them having to sell, it's a big loss for the team that they don't really have a ready backup for, I don't think. But but other than that, like we hit a depth nadir against D.C. Yeah. Where you had Kubo. Kubo was out. Vasquez was out. Santos was not healthy. I think, he would, I think it was his first game back from injury. So he wasn't starter fit. And Bupenza, obviously not with the team yet. Mascara and Miazga were not there. So, but now Santos looks like he's healthy again. Kubo's back. Baji's fit. Moreno was coming back. Uh, should be back this weekend. I saw he was training in full with the team. If not, If nobody else gets hurt, knock on wood... We, you got to feel really good about the forward position and the midfield positions, um, excepting for what's the, what, what are we doing with Lucho? Like, <laughs> if Lucho can't play a game, yeah, Lucho can't play what's games. The plan? We're fucked. That's just the answer to that. <laughs> There's no. But, but you can't. But other. But really, you can't find many flaws on this team when. The roster is fit other than center back depth for a team that plays three center backs and backup left back. 
And the reality of the situation, too, is that, you know, Nashville, if Haney Mukhtar goes down, you know, it's the same situation they're in when it comes to them yep. with us, with Lucho. It's just most of these teams, if you don't have a transcendent talent someplace that's irreplaceable on your team in MLS, chances are you're not going to find yourself very high in the supporter shield race. And so that's sort of the blessing and the curse of the Lucho or the Mukhtar or the Carlos Heel. They just sort of they're the engines that drive these teams, and most cars don't go very far without the engine involved. If you had to pick one team that wasn't FC Cincinnati, who would you want to be? Nashville, New England, St. Louis, or Columbus? I would want to be New England because I think New England is not quite as dependent on one guy as Nashville is. They're kind of ahead of Nashville on like, I mean, they're ahead of Nashville on points per game. Yep. And um, New England's had an, a lot of guys down injured. So if they start to get some of those guys back and then they bring some of their signings, you know, like they just signed Ian Harks, who's not like a game winner necessarily, but right. like a good a good depth piece to help you rotate. I, I would say New England's probably our, our primary worry on the supporter shield. Yeah. If I can't have New England, the other team that I'm worried about is Philadelphia, just because I think that the two best coaches that are chasing us are Bruce Arena and Jim Curtin, and I don't make a habit of betting against guys like that. They tend to seem to, they tend to, both those managers have a proven track record of getting the most out of rosters that are given to them, and those are pretty good rosters that they both have right now, and it would not surprise me to see Philadelphia in one of those top three spots before this year is out. But I don't know. I'm not worried about anybody out West. Oh God, no, no. The West is a dumpster fire. St. Louis, like the, the wheels are going to fall off on St. Louis at some point. I do firmly believe that. I still don't believe in them. No, no, there's only so much max match fixiness that can go around on this. Um, And just because it's fun down at the bottom of the table in the relegation zone, Toronto, Colorado, in Miami. So it's interesting, and I've only bring this up for this reason. Number one, Toronto is terrible. We're going to talk about one of their players here in segment two. Colorado, I forget, exists in this league for long stretches of time. But we keep talking about Miami and this Open Cup game that's coming up, and it has taken on this sort of life of its own because uh, Senior Messi will be coming to join the league imminently. Miami is terrible. And just on paper, if you had to pick a team that you would want as your draw with a shot to go to the Open Cup final, it's really hard to argue against saying that you're drawing the number 28 team in the league in that Open Cup game. There's only so much Lionel Messi can do with that team that's around him and that roster that's around him right there. Yeah, but Miami just tied Columbus Crew yesterday 2-2 two to two without DeAndre Yedlin and Damian Lowe, who were at the uh, Gold Cup, and without, you know, Messi, Busquets, potentially Jordi Alba, whatever other names people are making up about right. who's going to who's going to Miami. Have we considered the possibility that Leo Messi might have visa problems as well? It has not crossed my mind for a second that Messi's going to have a visa problem. <laughs> I would be willing to bet there are a lot of... Fo- a lot of phone calls that get made that don't get made for Aaron Vipenza to make sure that Leo Messi comes to America on a visa. But can you imagine the hilarity 
that would ensue if all of these people have paid hundreds of dollars for these tickets on the secondary market to see Leo Messi, and he is stuck in South America at an embassy waiting for his visa paperwork to clear, there would be riots in the stands, and that would be the funniest possible outcome to all this. <laughs> I can't wait until the first game he takes off. Load management? I can't wait for it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought about this, too. So you'll you'll very much appreciate this. This is in your wheelhouse. I always wondered how mad people were in New York when you spent hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars for tickets to go see Hamilton, and you got the night Lin-Manuel was taking the night off. <laughs> I'd be catatonic. I, I, know, I know what you mean, but I'm going to say it. Lin-Manuel's understudy who was also the guy oh, don't give me this who replaced him in both in the heights and hamilton much much better performer than lin-manuel if you can get over the name it's a better show yeah without lin-manuel yeah but good luck getting over the name fair <laughs> do we have anything else about the supporter shield about visas immigration law anything else that you find that we didn't touch in this segment. It's been a slow news week for FC Cincinnati. Other than that, it's nice not having midweek games for a change. That'll change next week. I think we have a game against New York midweek next week, but it has been nice to get back to the once-a-week cadence for games. I forgot what that was like after the way June went, but anything else we need to talk about in this segment? Yeah, I think we're good. All right, well, coming up in segment two, a little bit of a grab bag around the league we got headbutts to talk about. We got El Trafico and the Gold Cup coming back to TQL Stadium. Not really coming back, coming for the first time. Anyway, we'll see you after the music in segment two. And we're back. Grayson, you flagged this. Our old friend Bernadeschi, back in the book with a red card this time for more head action. I ask you, makeup call? I don't I don't think so, but I got to think that they've that they thought about it or that they considered it, you well, know? They have to. Right? You have to you and, have to know he got away with one last week. And we're going to see something in the disciplinary report about him, I think. Yeah. I think he's going to get another game or two. Just as a, you didn't, you got away with one, you did it again, you get one extra game for being a, a fucking idiot, that sort of thing. Yeah, and I don't know that they can like actually consider that since I don't think they like cited him for like violent conduct or anything for the last one. So I don't know like what they can technically technically consider and technically not, but like. It's like they always talk about, like, juries, right? Like, the judge would be like, oh, disregard that. Right. But, like, you once they're back in that room, you don't know what they're, what they're talking about. There's the old saying that they teach you in law school, you can't unring a bell, that I think is the most frequently cited thing when it comes to hearsay. That situation in Toronto is combustible, is awful. I think everybody wants out. I think the Italian experiment has been a total disaster. I do think, though, to that end, there should be, we were talking about this last week, this idea of that there should be reputation cards where 
you know, last week with the uh, with Carlos Heel, where Arias clips him on the run, Heel's booked for simulation. To a certain extent, when you're someone like Bernadette, you should lose you lose the benefit of the doubt. And was it an intentional act? I think he was saying something like he was doing something or acknowledging some fan, and that was what happened and this was all just a complete misunderstanding you lose the benefit of the doubt when you're an instigator like that and when you're doing this every week and i have no problem whatsoever with that being part of the calculus for why a card is given or why a suspension is given so it's not carlos heel it's carles or carles carles heel. i couldn't yeah, care like a, less like a, like a wrestling like a wrestling villain who's into public transportation <laughs> carles <laughs> Yeah. Or your average member of R slash Cincinnati. But um, I, I want to, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to say about it because it's a headbutt and he got a red card and he deserved it. Right. And then they got a picture from winking and he's like, oh, I was just acknowledging a child who waved to me, which is funny. <laughs> um, but we did get a new like thing to say when you do something bad out of it. I was acknowledging a child. No. Okay, groomer. So, Bernadeschi tweeted about it, and he said, you know, first he said, I want to clarify there was no headbutt. Then after that, he wrote, so I think it's very important that the exact phrasing be heard. It was a bad gesture due to the frustration of the moment we are going through. Like, beautiful. I love it. <laughs> a bad gesture due to the frustration of the moment we are going through. This is a phrasing that I think should live on. The frustration of the moment we're going through. I mean, just basically, that'll excuse anything. It's like, what yeah, happened? absolutely. It's like you were really rude to the customer there. It's, I'm sorry, it's just the frustration of the moment that we, and the we can do a lot of work here. It could be we, the royal we, we, society. We're just, you know, we're all on edge. You know, the, the climate is changing. Twitter is crapping out. You know, just everything is happening, and we're just going through this together, and sometimes frustration happens in that moment. Like, imagine if the Central Park Karen had, like, come out with this as her as her apology. Right. Right? And she's like, I want to clarify that I did not try to get this man killed by the police. Right. It was a bad gesture due to the frustration of the moment we were going through. It wasn't right? it wasn't in the frustration of the moment. It's like everything. It right. was covid times. Right. It was, you know, racially charged. Right. It was the Trump years. Right. It wasn't locker room talk. It was just the yeah. frustration of the moment we were going through in this Access Hollywood interview. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The frustration of the moment. I like that. Yeah. Being like a, you know, repressed older white man. It happens. It's frustrating. It it, when it does, it causes frustration in that moment. The frustration. Yep, a lot of guys do some bad gestures. Do you think that this would have reduced Lucho Acosta's suspension last year if he would have said, I apologize to Aaron Long. It was just the frustration of the moment that I was experiencing right there. Oh, he didn't apologize for the headbutt. No. He denied it was a headbutt. He's like, it was just a <laughs> bad gesture. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to be you know, pedantic about it, like everything is a gesture of some sort. <laughs> It just sometimes the gesture includes bullets flying, or sometimes the gesture yeah. includes a stabbing motion with an object in your hands. But it's a gesture, nevertheless. 
if everything can be expressive, everything can be a gesture. Everything is art. It was just art you didn't enjoy. Um, yeah. All right, so we got that. Other big news in MLS. Did you see this? Did you watch this? El Trafico happened uh, as we record this yesterday on the 4th of July, drawing 82,000 82, spectators to the Rose Bowl in Pasadena to watch LA Galaxy. LA Galaxy beat LAFC. Wouldn't have expected that if you would have told me about this a couple weeks ago. But what is, is this anything? I think so. I mean, I think that you could probably get a crowd like this. LAFC versus LA Galaxy. Every year. Could you get a bigger crowd if you put Hell is Real in a bigger stadium? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. You get it once. I feel like the real question would be whether or not you could get this every time. So like, There's always like that whole thing of it's the Rose Bowl. It's a special occasion. You do it once. Everyone wants to go see the spectacle. Do they come back for round two next year after they went this time? I don't know the answer to that question. But 82,000, it was an incredible visual. The game looked incredible. Just the Rose Bowl is a great venue. It's just a, I firmly believe the biggest mistake college football ever made was going to the playoffs and ruining the fact that the the biggest achievement every year for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 was, or the Pac-10 was to play each other in the Rose Bowl and win the Rose Bowl. They have screwed up college football irrevocably by denying the importance of that. Having said that, it was awesome. And my only complaint, and tell me if I'm off base on this, why the hell is this game being played at 10 o'clock at night? I think this game didn't kick off to almost 1040 on a Tuesday night. I understand it's a holiday, but it's kicked also... Kicked off at, work. I believe, 1054, 1050, something like that. The league just... One of those ones where they just can't seem to get out of their own way. W- wouldn't you want this game to be on on Fox? Wouldn't you rather this game play at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on a federal holiday where everybody's barbecuing, has the day off, and you could play this? It would be the only major sporting event happening during the afternoon. Just take the win, right? Yeah, I don't know how much... I mean, I don't know how much it was MLS's decision because we don't know what went into scheduling this game and it was a reschedule from earlier in the year i think this was the game that got moved due to fog or fire or there was something weird that moved this game that or snow maybe yeah snow snow and i was just running through all of like the plagues and like the signs of the apocalypse right there in la i was bound to hit on it eventually there was there was fireworks afterwards so like i don't know if they needed to make sure that it ended close to dark so they could do the fireworks do you think that That seems like that seems like a dumb reason to me yeah i can't imagine like say like oh we have to make this game unwatchable for like anybody but the absolute most committed people in the rest of the country so that we can or the idea that like well we're not going to draw eighty thousand people unless we promise them like free fireworks at the end of it i just especially on the fourth of july you can see free fireworks anywhere on the fourth of july it would be it would be an incredible game to have to have had as many like casual MLS curious people watch it as possible. Yeah, because it was an incredibly entertaining game. The crowd was really into it. Yeah, like it, it was it was MLS at its absolute best. Yeah, no, this was the kind of game that you show this to someone, and there would be double takes from people that don't follow this league to say, "Wait, this is in America. This isn't happening over in Spain." Or over in the UK, um, 
This isn't some game being played at Azteca. It was a tremendous showpiece for the league and was on after 90% of this country was in bed. So you touched on this earlier, and I wanted to bring this up. Hell is real. Any other games that you can think of that should be considered for a big venue like this, and what is the venue? I think somebody brought up online something with Nashville SC and played at Neyland Stadium, like Nashville versus Atlanta, do like an SEC rivalry type thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, does Atlanta open up their whole stadium when Nashville comes? I think they do. They definitely open. Yep. They're definitely opening it up for Messi. Obviously, they're going to yeah. open it up for that. But if if Atlanta doesn't get more than their usual crowd for a Nashville game, then it makes me somewhat skeptical that you'd fill up a big venue for Atlanta at Nashville. I'm just a sucker for games being played in places they shouldn't be. I just I love this as a gimmick. Like I don't know if you follow college basketball enough to remember this, but there was a time where they were playing college basketball games on an aircraft carrier deck and they were they couldn't keep the court dry because shockingly, if you play games on a boat, you're going to get water on the court and people are going to be slipping everywhere. Like I love shit like this. I love you know, yeah. we're doing something at a NASCAR track and we're playing it in the middle. Or we're playing, you know, golf on a baseball stadium. Like, all this shit. I love it. I'm trying to... It has to be a team that draws and doesn't already play in a big venue. And has, like, some rival that will make sure that the big venue will be all or mostly filled. Right. And, like, Seattle already plays in a big stadium. Right. Right. So Portland versus Seattle already has the opportunity to have like a massive crowd. I don't again, I don't know if Seattle opens up their whole stadium. Right. For the Portland game or not. Um, Austin is a team that comes to mind that you could probably get a massive crowd out for. But like against who? The problem is F- the, like, like FC Dallas brings nothing to the table. Though. Right. And they have Jerry's world. They could play the game at, but just nobody gives a shit about FC Dallas. I was thinking, you know, maybe you, LAFC again. I don't know. Like you played something with the Portland Timbers playing at Outson stadium where Oregon plays their home games at, which is incredible. Apparently an incredible venue to watch sports at. I don't know. Or like, I, I, I do love this. Like the NHL does the winter classic every year. And, even if you're not a hockey fan, the idea of seeing these guys playing outdoor hockey is just a really cool thing. I don't know. I loved this as an idea for MLS, and I just I, I would love to see someone that's more creative than I am that spends more time thinking about this. Just think of, you know, like baseball did the Field of Dreams, where they played the games at the Cornfield Stadium in Iowa. I, I have to imagine that there are places that you could stage MLS games that are non-traditional in nature like the Rose Bowl, although they pointed out in the broadcast, and people forget that the LA Galaxy played, I think, seven years at the Rose Bowl as their home venue. But I would love to see someone get creative about where they could stage some of these MLS games. And I don't know, just do something different so that when people are seeing the highlights or seeing the clips on social media, it's just, oh, that's weird. Why are they playing this there? I mean, something that comes immediately to mind is, like, Mexico, but no. Right. Like, there's too much there's there's too much you know going on with like and also Mexican it? crowds at the moment <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah not a great moment in time for Mexican fans what was it a stabbing at Levi's Stadium in the Gold Cup that's always a 
Yeah. Kevin Wallace special. The other thing too is um, I believe that, isn't there a law right now where it's being challenged where you well, you were talking about this, that there used to be a yep. rule with FIFA that you couldn't stage games outside of your federation's country that just got overturned, right? Well, there's so there's there's a case in the US where courts so far have said that the restriction on holding foreign league games in the US violates US antitrust law. Right. But that that's got nothing to say about Mexican yeah. antitrust law, you know? Right. So like it's this is not something that that you would expect to be reciprocal unless it led to FIFA just dropping the rule entirely or like easing up on the rule. I don't I don't I don't think I have a good answer for this cuz I don't think enough MLS teams draw and I don't know that there are places that are just dying to have an MLS game there. Right. That don't already have MLS teams and don't already have like big enough stadiums. Yeah. I don't know. You would have to do something absurd. Like you would have to stage like an Atlanta United game at, you know, the fifth fairway at Augusta or something like that. And just you piss the soccer, you piss the golf hardos off that you've turned. You've turned three holes into a soccer field or something like that. It would need to be like that or, you know, at the center of the Bristol Motor Speedway in Bristol, Tennessee. And there's like, you know, NASCAR is going around the outside of it or some shit like that. It would have to be. You can make the you could make the Euro schedule people happy and move to our Euro schedule and then put a January game in Alaska. Ooh. Frostbite Gate point two point oh. Or, you know, send some teams out to Hawaii and play like the Aloha Bowl out in Hawaii, like, you know, with the palm trees in the background and shit like that. What if Minnesota were to just go to Hawaii for like two months of the year if it's a Euro schedule? Now, that's interesting. So you start the year. They become the the, the Minneapolis, Honolulu, St. Paul United. The Ice Islanders or something like that? Or Minnesota, Hawaii United. Yeah, like every team... There's a direct flight from Minneapolis to Maui. Just saying. Yeah, I better get the lie flat seats for that. That sounds really miserable. That would be interesting, though. You go to the Euro schedule, and every team in the north has to pair with a city in the south to share your team with to avoid players dying of frostbite. That's how you get San San Antonio in the league. That's how you get Vegas in the league. Phoenix, Albuquerque. There's there's a there there with New Orleans. Oh. <laughs> what about the the New Orleans Revolution? <laughs> they could they could play in the Superdome and it would be equally as empty as it is at Gillette Stadium. It would be it would be delightful. Oh, the New Orleans Whitecaps has like a total different meaning. Yeah. <laughs> Vancouver in desperate need of a franchise relocation, but not for that reason. People forget Tulane University has a stadium very good size. For a soccer team, too small for college football, but perfect for a soccer stadium. So, yeah, El Trafico. Um, I loved it. They should do more of it. Anyway, rounding out this segment, this coming weekend, we usually do a preview, but that'll be for segment three for FC Cincinnati. However, at TQL Stadium this weekend, not FC Cincinnati, but your United States men's national team playing in what I have termed the Hoser Derby versus 
that suckhole country you call Canada up north, who really should be our new rivals right now. I think it would piss Mexico off tremendously if we just decided that Canada is our true rival right now. So I'm in favor of that. I Will can't you... let them be our rival because they did that stupid Champions of CONCACAF thing when they finished first in World Cup qualifying. <laughs> it was that, That's not, and it never has been, how you crown the Champions of CONCACAF. It's... It's very much University of Central Florida just giving themselves a national title in yeah. 2017 energy. But I'm here for it. That's the kind of pettiness that fuels a rivalry is when your rival does something stupid. And, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm into it. Grayson, will you be attending this game? Or have you been tempted to sell your seats by the skyrocketing price of tickets on the open market right now? So I'll be honest. I did consider selling my ticket because I saw the price for what – Tickets were listed for in my section, and it was like nine times what I paid for them. <laughs> but then, like, I got on again in like ten minutes. They'd release more, and they were back text. down. <laughs> they were back down to like very, like, just like thirty bucks more than what I paid for them. And so it seems like the team has been like holding back tickets and releasing them in dribs. I don't know. It just seems too dicey yeah. to worry about selling it. So I am. I would say 95% just going to go to this game and maybe not the first one, yeah. but definitely the U.S.-Canada. We should talk about this. So this game on Sunday is actually the United States is playing the evening game, but there is a afternoon game that I believe is featuring Guatemala versus uh, Jamaica. Jamaica. Guatemala versus Jamaica. And scant on the details in terms of Everybody knows your ticket gets you into both matches, but not any information as to whether or not you'll be allowed to enter and exit and re-enter for between games, what the situation is on that. So when the tickets were spiking today, nobody knew if it was Guatemala fans buying them or U.S. national team fans buying them, if there was a sizable contingent of Canadian expats that were looking to see their home team. But there's been an alarming lack of details on how all this is going to work out, other than the fact that the U.S. is showing up for the late game. Yeah. So I would assume I would assume you can't re-enter. I would assume that as well. I, I assume if you can't leave and re-enter. I do have a question out about that that I've been promised an answer on and haven't gotten yet. So I'll put it in the Discord, unless you know it's already been reported by Pat or Laurel right. or somebody. But if we if we find out if you can that you can leave and re-enter, we'll try to tell people. But as of right now, I would assume you cannot because it's against TQL policies generally. Right. The problem is, and it's not a it's not a I don't ask this idly, is that part of the, the one of the best parts of when the USA Mexico game was here, and I know this is a different a different team, different stakes, everything about this is different other than the you know United States badge on the on the jersey but the march was a little bit was a little bit of fun like that was pretty cool that was one of the highlights of the uh, the US being and the American Outlaws being here in Cincinnati and going to the early game if there's no reentry means that you are giving up your opportunity to be part of that spectacle which is which is kind of tough i mean if if you had the ability to get in and out on the same ticket i would probably head down catch the first, I don't know, 70 minutes of the early game, then dip, head up to Northern Row, and be part of the festivities and experience that too. But 
If you're stuck in the stadium once you enter, you got to make a choice as to whether or not you want to be part of the full American pageantry and the full U.S. men's national team pageantry or see both games. And that kind of that kind of blows a little bit, in my humble opinion. Yeah, and I also wonder, like, you know, they have the AO section. What are they doing with that section for the first game? Like, is, is there going to be, like, Jamaica and Guatemala and Canadian fans just interspersed throughout the yeah, I didn't think about AO that. section, which is like the Bailey. Yeah, is, the a- is the AO only one session tickets? Because I haven't seen what an AO ticket looks like. Because, you know, if you go to um, – the only thing I can compare this to is like if you go to an NCAA regional for, for March Madness, you get session tickets. And so you'll have, you know, all the morning session or all the afternoon session in a venue. But where the students are – those are single session tickets. So they don't leave the band for, you know, Northern Illinois playing when Duke comes in. They clear all those people out and they move the, the next band in. If you're just in the regular seats, you can sit and you can watch both games. But the parts of the active participation sections, they make sure that both fan bases get to go in and out on that, which is would make sense here. But I've seen nothing that would indicate that they're doing that. Yeah, and the the U.S. game is scheduled to start, and I don't know what the actual kickoff time is going to be. I assume it's not 7.30. But the first game is at 5. The U.S. game says it's at 7.30. That's not a lot of time to, like, clear out, you know, the Jamaican and Guatemalan supporter sections or whatever you're, no. whatever you're doing. And plus, like, I would love to see staff members at TQL try to clear out an entire section of fans. Right. Having said that, if I had an AO ticket, I'd kind of want to hang out with the Jamaicans and the Guatemalans. I think that'd be a good fucking time to like show up to the game. I, I can't imagine either one of those fan bases being a bad time at a soccer game. No, I don't think so. I don't yeah. have any bad blow with any of them. No. Like, in fact, they're teams that when they're not playing the U.S., I probably yeah. would be – normally inclined right. to root for. I bet the Jamaicans are a great hang at a soccer stadium. Yeah. 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 Leave them there. Mix them together. I, think, I like this idea. I think Jamaica may already be in town, by the way. There's a Wolves player on Jamaica, and he uh, he and Yerson posted a a picture on, on their Instagram stories. Nice. Nice. It's good to see our son make, is keeping in touch with his old friends. I like that a lot. Yeah. Don't get too attached, though. He's here for the rest of the season. Maybe Yerson's going to bring him over. Oh, I like that. Get the pipeline going. This is good shit. Yeah. Yeah. U.S. versus Canada. I can't be bothered to care about the Gold Cup. I just don't give a shit. It's one of those things where I'm excited for Brandon Vasquez that he's scoring goals in this tournament. I hope it brings his mojo back. I'm excited that Miazga has gotten back onto the radar. But this is all – everything about this seems just silly. You're playing – the reserve B team squad roster and the coaching staff doesn't even matter in all this. Burhalter isn't there. What's the point of all this? Having said that, it's still cool that we're getting this. I think I'm still excited to go to the game as long as the ticket prices don't get too high and I can't make too much money off it. Where do you see this one ending up? U.S. versus Canada. Canada has looked really bad. Yeah. This tournament. So I think the U.S. is going to win, and I think the U.S. is going to win pretty easily. I hope Brandon gets some opportunities because it feels like he's not been getting, you know, I would say a fair chance. Like, I don't know why you need to start Ferreira and play him like 70 minutes against both 
St. Kitts and Nevis and Trinidad and Tobago. Like you're going to win both those games easily. Why not give give your other your other striker yeah some time, especially since Brandon has shown a really a real knack for scoring uh, for the national team, despite very limited limited time. Yeah, they they should have just split it up and given Jesus. He could have had like Kits and Tobago, and Brandon could have had like Trinidad and Nevis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That'd be fair. Yeah, it divides up evenly um, like that. So <laughs> it's it's it feels a little weird, also because like I'm a little skeptical that that Vasquez and Miazga are going to be much in the national team picture when Greg is fully back. I think you're being generous. I think that there's no chance Matt Miazga's back in the national team picture based on some of the comments. So, like, yeah, it's, it's nice for them to get their opportunities now, but I'm also in a place where, honestly, if you could guarantee me that we would have Brandon and Matt Miazga back for, like, next Wednesday's game against New York, I would, I would I think I'd be perfectly fine with the U.S. losing to Canada. Yeah. Yeah, it would be really nice to have got Wednesday against Red Bulls next week and then the Nashville Nashville in the Ope Fest on the 15th. It would be really, really nice to get the two of them back. And not for nothing, I don't see why they can't play on Saturday and just let them fly back to Cincinnati on Sunday. And you know that neither one of them is starting in that game. You know neither one of them is probably getting more than 20, 30 minutes in it. So let them go back with FC Cincinnati. Let them get 60 minutes on Saturday, and then they can fly back with the team, and they can be here on Sunday for the game. I don't I don't the see US, what the issue is here on that. The U.S. is already in Charlotte, and my understanding is they're staying in Charlotte until Saturday. Just let Brandon and Miazga stay a couple hours longer. Yeah. I'm sure Carl would let them use the jet. This would be fine. Yeah. I, just, I don't. Just uh, this whole process annoys me and it annoys me even more. I was thinking about this last night during El Trafico when each one of these every one of these MLS games on TV is the same, where at some point during the game, the announcers have to do this sad live read for the League's Cup and pretend that anyone gives a shit that the League's Cup is coming. Just it, it's never going to not infuriate me that this Gold Cup and the League's Cup didn't overlap and that we're missing. But there may be some fun content. Around the League's Cup coming from some folks. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe some folks you're listening to right now. Yeah, I got to get myself psyched up about it. I'll get my. I'll get there. I promise you all I'll get there. Maybe a couple couple drinks and a couple more FC Cincinnati wins between now and then will get me where I need to go on this. So, yeah. So, that's what we got going on. Just as a word of warning, if we do end up at the game, uh, next week's postcast on Monday will not include any reactions from the U.S. men's national team games. Unless we all get together and decide to do something drunkenly after the game, which don't hold your breath on that one. Anything else on segment two? Or are we ready to move on to our preview? I'm I'm good. You're good. I yeah. didn't ask you for good. I asked for you ready to move on to the preview. I'm ready for anything. All right, let's hit the music. We'll see you on the other side of this. Segment three, we have a preview of FC Cincinnati versus Charlotte. Stick with it. And we're back. This weekend, FC Cincinnati travels to the other Queen City to take on Charlotte FC. Charlotte sitting 19th in the Supporters' Shield standings with 25 points, a robust 19 points 
clear of the lead on that one with us. Sitting on a negative eight goal differential. On paper, if both these teams were at full strength, one would think this matchup heavily favors FC Cincinnati. However, two considerations. Number one, these teams are not at full strength, as we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast. And number two, and the part that I'm most worried about, and tell me if you disagree, that goddamned artificial turf in Charlotte that seems to produce just weird and wacky matches whenever these two teams match up with one another. Yeah, Charlotte has four ties in a row, and um, they've, they've had four ties in a row, and the first of those four was at home against Seattle. That was 3-3. Yeah. Like, that's a wild game. Yes. It's just they have given up more goals than any other team in the league. They've given up 36 goals. That leads Atlanta by one, who's given up 35. They are porous defensively, and I think their home field contributes a lot to that just because every game I have ever watched at, I guess it's Bank of America Stadium is what they're calling it or whatever it was, every game I've ever watched has featured at least two or three what-the-fuck-was-that moments when it comes to a ball being misplayed or something skipping over someone's foot. It's just a very weird place to play. You would think that goal scoring will be fast and frequent given who FC Cincinnati is missing in this game uh, with Matt Miazga being out again. However, we do get Ian Murphy back, which is exciting, off his red card hiatus from last week. Allegedly, Yerson Mascara has not run into any additional immigration problems. He remains in the country, which is exciting. So I don't know what to make of this game. I tend to think that this is still a game FC Cincinnati should win. Um... But as with all these games where we're depleted a little bit, I don't know that you hate a draw on the road here, given the circumstances. But I think I, I, I get greedy. I think this should be a win for, for FC Cincinnati. I I think we'll uh, unless there's some unanticipated absences, I think it's gonna be a win. Um you talk about Charlotte's turf, but unlike a team like Vancouver who seems to always like win or at least tie at home, no matter how bad they otherwise are. Charlotte's about even at home in a way. And Charlotte's home record is essentially this is actually slightly worse than our away record, our away record this year. So I don't, I don't know that, that this is a situation where we should worry that we're going into a place that they're, you know, so comfortable playing at. And I think we've had a little bit of a snide. And I think with three true center backs for the first time since, uh, since before since the break, mid, since the, since before the break, um, we're, we got Moreno back probably yeah. in the starting lineup. I assume yeah, should note that, that Pat Brennan reported today that Moreno was training with the full team. Um, I don't think that there's anyone that's off in the dreaded side right now. I think with Moreno back, I think they're back to full strength in terms of At least fitness. nobody that's been reported to be off to the side. We're not at training, so right. we don't know. But Carter, you know, Carter's also at training. He's He didn't report anybody off to the side. No. So they need I to think s- this is probably the, f- the most full team we've had since the international break. They need to sponsor the side. 
the side has become an entity unto itself, they should find a a sponsor that they can say training off on the, I don't know, the Penn Station side ground or whatever it is. At the Japs Annex. Ooh, I like that. I had a friend meet his wife at the Japs Annex. It's always been a magical Which place. doesn't exist anymore, so it's up for grabs. Yeah. They used to play just random old cartoons on the wall with no sound. It was a very odd place. Um, it was a really fun. It was a really fun place. Between that and the drinkery, you were guaranteed a good time at least one of the two spots on any given night back in the day. And now I miss neons. You don't like the Rosedale? I hate the Rosedale. <laughs> it's the same place. No, it's not at all. <laughs> it's got. It's got. It doesn't. It does, it's got worse bartenders. It's got a worse beer selection, and. They have, it has worse cocktails, and it has a worse crowd. The, cr- the crowd at Rosedale, like, all the time is what Neons would be, like, only after 10 p.m. Friday and Saturday. Neons used to be. We used to go to Neons after work all the time back in the day. I miss Neons a little bit. The problem is, though, you say it's worse beer. I don't think I ever drank anything other than Coors or Corona at Neons out on the patio. It wasn't a... It wasn't a classy beer kind of place. It was a. They used to have a. They used to have a special at Neons where it would be like three dollars, and the bartender would just reach into the case and pull something out. Oh, the pull and pray. I love the pull. Yeah, and the pray. pull and pray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They used to do that at RP McMurphy's back in the day for two dollars, and it was the best. I, I would do the pull and pray even if I wanted something else specifically that was on tap. Just I like that element of chance. It's like Kevin's always saying about a lottery. A pull and pray. It's really like a beer lottery where you you lose most of the time, but the experience is really what you're paying for. I had the classy pull and pray the other day at Oakley Wines, <laughs> the uh, Sunday wine roulette. How do you play wine roulette? It's you pay you pay seven dollars and they just pour you whatever they choose. There's a uh, there's a great pizza place if you ever find yourself or anyone listening ever find yourself on Tybee Island, Georgia, outside of Savannah. It's called Huckapoo's. And they have an item on the menu. It's a dive bar. The place looks like it would never pass a health inspection. But their pizza there is phenomenal. And they have one just called the Chef Surprise. And you order it, and it's whatever the hell they want to make for you is the pizza you end up getting. And I've seen some bizarre concoctions come out when people order the Chef Surprise at Huckapoo's. Worth the trip. Worth the time. Anyway, the post is now sponsored by Jap's Drinkery. Not Rosedale. Not Rosedale. And Oakley Wines. Yeah, for- <laughs> Four, we we might be making an enemy of is, is Rosedale four EG I think it is four EG yeah, yeah so we've really significantly limited the number of places that can sponsor us no oh, yeah. with uh, that all of the bars that I don't want to go to will not sponsor this podcast <laughs> <laughs> well then that's not a loss then is it speaking of not a loss what do you got as your prediction for this game uh oh three one sounds good to me I like three one. 3-1 sounds good. I don't know. Um, I wish we had Papenza. I'd be with you to a 3-1 with Papenza. I am going to go ahead and say 2-1. I still think we win, but I think we're going to have to sweat this one out a little bit down the stretch and see if we can't kill a game off on the road. I think we're going to have to earn the points on this one. It would be big, though. Uh, three points, road points, always big. And we're starting to get into um, the, pers- the point in the season now, 20 games in, where... You really can start scoreboard watching, and these points really, really do start to matter at this point. I think getting you know a point you feel good about, but this is this is a game that you should that they should be thinking about as an opportunity to pick up three points on the road. Yeah, I'll put it this I'll put it to you this way: 
I will be exponentially less upset about a draw if the U.S. loses and we get all our people back for New York. If the U.S. wins, the U.S. should win. Um, that should be, we talked about that already. This game and the New York Red Bulls games are both really big. And I think that, I think you need to come away with these two games in particular with at least four points. I think that the goal should be six, but I think four is the absolute minimum you should be looking to pick up between these two road tilts in New York and in Charlotte. Because anything less than that, it really puts the pressure on you for that Nashville game. In, yeah, uh, you really want to be, you really want to be, you know, stabilized and back on the upswing when Nashville comes in. Yeah, you want to be. If there's six points clear in Nashville right now, you do not want that game against Nashville to be one where they can catch you or come to within a point or two of you in that. So it's, maintaining that six point cushion, I think, is huge on this, but. I think they'll do it. Um, I like the players that they've got on the roster right now. I think that we're seeing some of the best soccer Malik Pinto has played, that Angulo has played, and reinforcements on the way. So just cross your fingers and pray to the State Department gods that Papenza shows up on time. Grayson, is there anything we missed in this otherwise kind of slow news week for FC Cincinnati, but slow in a good way, I think? I mean, I missed Kevin. Did you? Sure. Yeah. I miss Kevin, too. I'm not good at this. You know when you're really going to miss Kevin is when you listen to this back tomorrow morning and you see how awful the editing is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. We all have our gifts in life, and I'm still looking for mine. As long as we hear uh, Jim Trace and the Makers. We'll hear- it's not a wasted time. It's never a wasted time when you're hearing Jim Trace and the Makers. Uh, on that note, thank you for listening, and fuck Columbus. All of the music in today's episode was provided by Jim Trace and the Makers, a phenomenal local band. You can find more of their music on Apple Music, Spotify, and on their website, JimTraceandTheMakers.com. Also, if you haven't checked it out already, we've got a Discord we're conversing at. It's a phenomenal place to talk things FC Cincinnati and beyond as Elon Musk continues to try and kill Twitter. You can also follow the Post Cincy on the new Threads app, if that's still a thing by the time this episode releases. You can also follow Kevin, Grayson, and I on the Blue Sky app, if anyone cares about you enough to give an invite to Blue Sky. You can also find all of our writing, content, and musings at thepostcincy.com. That's your number one source for a website that is occasionally updated with FC Cincinnati content. Also, thanks again to our sponsors, Cincy Shirts. Be sure to use promo code THEPOSTCINCY, that's all one word and all in caps, THEPOSTCINCY at checkout at cincyshirts.com the next time you order so that you let them know you heard their advertisement here. And maybe, just maybe, it'll convince someone else to advertise on this podcast. We can all quit our jobs and fulfill our lifelong dreams of becoming soccer content creators. Stay tuned to this space. We've got big things coming at The Post including including some interesting ideas for how we're going to handle League's Cup. So thanks for listening, and remember, promo code THEPOSTCINCY at checkout at cincyshirts.com. See ya!